You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Bad Education. You look tired. Tired is kicking my ass. I would kill somebody for a carb right now. I don't know where you could find one. You're such a bitch. Oh, would you like a bite? Come on, use the fucking sandwich. Good morning. I wanted to make a difference. Look, we did. I got us all the way to number four, and I will get us to number one. These are the best early decision numbers that we've ever seen. They want me to write an article about the new budget. Oh, okay, soundbite, nice. You want to write this down, or are you? Uh... I'm taping. Oh, okay. It's just a puff piece. It's only a puff piece if you let it be a puff piece. Come. What? Quick. Uh. a very real crime here, a theft of taxpayer money. The sum total is 250,000. Everything's fine. You can't jump the gun here, not when there's this much at stake. We need to know what we're dealing with. Frank. After everything we've worked for. Frank, you get this far. Frank, you have nothing to worry about. Frank's gonna fix this. This kind of behavior, it's cruel, it's sociopathic. Sociopathic? I am, I'm ashamed of my actions, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm, there's no excuse for it. Well, the sociopathy. Yeah, but then. If a scandal gets out, we will lose everything. Some people come do the most horrible things. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Bad Education, and the story is as follows. A Long Island school superintendent and his assistant are credited with bringing the district unprecedented prestige. Frank is a master of positive messaging, whether before an audience of community leaders or in an office with a concerned student or parent. That changes when a student reporter uncovers an embezzlement scheme of epic proportions prompting Frank to devise an elaborate cover-up. The film is starring Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, Geraldine Viswanathan, Alex Wolfe, Raphael Cassell, Stephen Spinella, Anna Lee Ashford, and Ray Romano. It is directed by Corey Finley, written by Mike Mikowski. Join me for this podcast review. I have Dan Bear. Eat the fucking sandwich. <laughs> Eat it. Yes, indeed. Inhale it. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. All right, everyone. So, Bad Education, a movie... On HBO, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Not something that we typically do, but in this world, we'll take all the content that we can possibly get. Had its premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival, where Dan actually attended and saw this movie before any of us. And that was before it got picked up for HBO and is now in consideration for the Emmys this year. Um, So this movie, Corey Finley's second feature following up uh, Thoroughbreds. Definitely very, very excited to see where his career goes next, especially after uh, this movie. But now that the entire world has had a week to sit on it, watch it, and reflect, I'm curious to hear from both of you uh, what you guys think of this movie. Dan, you were the one who saw it first. Let's kick it off to you. What do you think of Bad Education? Well, 
Bad Education was my third favorite film at the Toronto International Film Festival last year. I wow, I really, really loved it. I think the film is incredibly smart um, in a lot of, but it's very subtle about it. Um, like you don't sort of realize how easily this very insular story opens up to larger themes and ideas about life in America until after then you start talking about it and thinking about it. And a, I think that's just wonderful. Um, I was, a, I liked Corey Finley's first film, uh, thoroughbreds. I thought it was really good. It showed a lot of promise. I think this is a whole other level. Um, I think he's incredibly talented and the step up from thoroughbreds is just really kind of amazing. Yeah, there's a greater degree of control, I feel like, in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, no, let me rephrase that. Um, because actually in Thoroughbreds, it looked like there was just more uh, style on display. Yeah. With that education, um, there seems to be more control. I, I want to just illustrate that mm -hmm. a little bit. It's, it's clear that it's made by the same guy. Yes. But uh, the styles of both films are definitely a little bit different. Uh, that's for sure. The control over the tone of this movie is really something else. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really well done. Yeah, whereas in Thoroughbreds, I felt like more tight control over just the aesthetic. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Josh, what about you? What do you think of Bad Education? Uh, so this was a movie that I walked into with relatively little expectation. Uh, I liked thoroughbreds but not quite as much as other people did and i think when i heard even reviews of this movie just thinking like yeah this sounds good but i don't know if i'm like all in on it but i gotta say finally watching it i was very very into it i think that it's a really well done film i agree it's better than his uh previous movie i love the sense of control and the direction i like how these characters are so complex and well defined these performances are really good and um, it's not a perfect movie. I wouldn't say it's like one of the best I've ever seen, but overall it's a very, very strong film that I enjoyed. Yeah, I would argue that as well. I really enjoyed this. I was surprised by it. I was surprised at the level of depth that it had to offer, not just in its themes, uh, but also with its characters as well. The character of Frank Tassone is uh, painted not with broad strokes, but with very, very detailed lines in regards to... Um, just how much complexity there is um, and how much that um, complexity weaves its way into uh, the themes of the story, these themes of uh, success, turning a blind eye to misdeeds when things are going so well, because ultimately what they're all doing is they're stealing money. What you know, little by little, it starts off small, but after years and years and years of getting away with it, you know, that money then accumulates to the sum of $11 million total from the school's budget, which is uh, gone. And nobody's complaining, though, during this time because the Roslyn School District, uh, you know, at this point in time, I, I'm a Long Island baby myself. I grew up, um, you know, over there during this time. That was a very, very prestigious part of the country if you were going to school uh, in mm -hmm. roslyn you were considered pretty much like upper class you know at that point i mean it was a really really big deal and for there to be this level of corruption um is uh, a, a, a it's a, 
it's just such a typical American story that we've seen time and time and time again. But this one, I think, uh, hits a little bit more home because it does take place in the middle of suburbia, not in some big, big, fancy corporation. And it has a direct impact on the people that, you know, especially like I said, if you grew up in any kind of suburban neighborhood, you know, you definitely have, I think, a greater connection to this movie than anything. Yeah, there's this really Mm -hmm. interesting examination of basically the American way of life, which is we tend to not look at the things that are uh, corrupt and, uh, you know, aren't on the up and up in our society. But as long as things are relatively good from an economic standpoint in terms of us prospering, then we don't notice them. And it's so easy for that to fester in our society. And then when it eventually gets exposed, that's when we get up in arms about it, not ever realizing just how insidious it was and how much we were willing to put up with it up until that point. And I think that that's uh, mm-hmm. well illustrated by Allison Janney's character, Pam Glucken, who is so like, <laughs> I got to the, the attitude of Allison Janney is so perfect for a character like this yeah. because it takes her a while to understand the weight of her actual actions and she completely like dismisses it at first. Um, and I, I love the way that Allison Janney plays uh, Pam Gluckin here. And I think she's phenomenal casting. I wish she was in the movie a little bit more. I do feel like the movie does forget about her in the midsection for a bit. But she is really, really good, especially when she um, does get found out and she gets confronted by uh, Frank and the rest of the board. And then that uh, extends to when she goes back home to her family and her husband and her kids find out. They realize they're all explicit in it as well. It's really, really good drama altogether. It's great. Those those two scenes that you mentioned are really great. The, The screenplay. Um, by Mike Mikowski, who grew up in Roslyn around this time. So, like, this is, like, a personal story for him. Like, the screenplay is so smart and so layered, um, but while also still presenting as a perfectly slick, dark comedy, you know, piece of entertainment. Um, it is really well done. I agree with you that the casting of Jenny, the casting of the whole movie, actually, I think, is really, really perfect. Down to all the, you know, women at the book club that Frank goes to. <laughs> <laughs> just like they're not there for the books. <laughs> yeah, it's like you look around and like, yep, yep, those are the Long Island mothers. Yep, that's that. Um, and even like, I, I've, especially the casting of Hugh Jackman, I think he is. Phenomenal casting, and he repays that with a pitch-perfect performance. I think it is probably his best performance. Um, I I think he's absolutely phenomenal on this. The way that his natural magnetism and charm curdle throughout the movie, like as it goes on, until and he gets one of the the best entrances of any character that I've seen in a long time in a movie oh with you know we see him you know putting on cologne and stuff in the bathroom and then follow him from the back as he goes you know onto the stage and shakes glad's hands with the school board and the rapturous applause of the audience it's like a rock star coming out to deliver a a concert and you know the dark cinematography the classical music it's it's really 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 well done and then 
contrasted so well at the end where the camera faces him from the front and he's not smiling he's crying yeah uh, it's yeah that i love those bookends and how like almost grotesque he looks at the end with the makeup and the cinematography like oh god oh this is definitely going to be the movie where i think most people uh without the use of makeup are going to just look at hugh jackman and be like hugh jackman's getting old shit <laughs> you know, and, and that's part of the the point of the character, right? Is that he's old and he's vain and is trying to like hold on to youth. I think in some ways, or I, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Oh well, when he applies like the makeup yep. to his face constantly, um, he's buying the fancy suits. He's uh, dating younger men. Uh, you know, than uh, than his uh, uh his partner uh, that he has. You know, I, I definitely think that this idea of perception that he's trying to give off this uh, perceived notion of success to others. It reminds me of like um, when Leonardo DiCaprio says in Wolf of Wall Street, dad, I need them to want to live like me, you know? And I feel that way about uh, Frank Tassone in this movie where he's trying so, so hard to present this appearance to everyone because at the end of the day, a, a, a community is only as good as its school district. So if the school district is doing well, it's impacting the real estate in the area, which is impacting a lot of other factors as well. And if he is the one that's in charge of all that as the superintendent of schools, you know, he needs to have this this look about him, this aura. And I think Hugh Jackman is able to capture that so, so well. Yeah, well, yeah, it's definitely the best. Like, I would say this is the best character that he's ever played. It's somebody who is very complex and very nuanced in his motivations. And, you know, he doesn't really get put in that much of a box. And he, the way that he finds ways to justify his actions, which are both like morally repugnant but also at the same time you can sort of understand where he's coming from that's very tricky to do both in writing and and acting and i think that the way that jackman carries himself in that role is really commendable he has this great line towards the end um which really struck a chord with me because both of my parents are in public school systems or were they they're since retired um and he's talking to the parents or the head of the school board and he has this line you don't want to see us as people and talking about educators and administrators of public school systems and it's true i there there is this sense um amongst a lot of americans that we expect a lot of teachers and school administrators but like you know barely pay them a living wage and and it's 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 hard to reconcile that with the fact that like you like that's another repeated line in the movie like a community is only as good as its school district like the amount of importance that is placed on these and what people want to see from they want to see a certain level of professionalism or class from their teachers and administrators and but they don't really give them the means to do that but when they go out and get those means themselves that's not great either. There's um <laughs> a, a line in the show uh, Bloodline from Netflix where Kyle Chandler says, you know, um, we're not bad people, but we did a bad thing. Mm. And I think this movie has like a very, very tricky, slippery slope where they are displaying that these aren't bad people. They actually really do have good intentions at heart of helping kids and Hugh Jackman, you know, uh, like you said, Frank Tassone, uh tells 
other uh, characters in the movie that he could have been this, he could have done that, but no, he wanted to help children. He wanted to help the community. And he is. Yes. He is helping the community a lot. Oh, very much so. Um, and I love that the movie also has this character played by Geraldine uh, Viswanathan, uh, Rachel, who is a student at the school, who's the one who really does uncover this and breaks the story. And she's just a kid. And there's a great scene between her and Frank where Frank tries to intimidate her into not publishing the story. But the truth always wins in a situation like this. And all of his threats are so, are. If you take a step back and you look at it, you know, yeah, I understand he can write college letters and he has a great uh, degree of control over one's future. Nah, if you bring a story like that, opportunity is going to line up for you left and right from everybody out, out there in the world, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, the the, the righteous always prevails, you know? Yeah, I, I love that scene um, in particular because it shows the, the smartness of this screenplay. I mean, he is he is treating her like one of the adults that he was, you know, explaining all these things to and thinks that he can manipulate her in the same way, like that he was able to manipulate them, you know, when they find out. Because at first it was just Allison Janney's character, Pam, who was who they thought was embezzling money. And, you know, when he finds out about that, um, oh God, like watching this again for the second time and seeing the, knowing what, knowing the full story of what happens after watching Hugh Jackman in those early scenes is really something because he, it looks like he's just worried about this thing that happens and how it could jeopardize, you know, how this woman's actions could jeopardize his career and everything he's built for himself and the school district and everything. And he is very smart in how he goes about, you know, dealing with it on the, uh, on behalf of the parents and the school board being like, well, you know, we know her, we've known her for years. You know, she, she died a bad person. You're like, I'm sure this was just a mistake and we can't, you know, we can't put it to the press because then everything that we've worked for will be done. You know, the school will drop in rankings, your property values will go down and we can't have that now, can we? And like, yes, he's thinking about saving the school system, but he's also thinking about like, shit, if they ever find out about me. Which I don't know if that's necessarily on his mind early on, uh, because oh, I actually think, think he is so is. bought into his own cover up of, of everything that he doesn't view it as a big big deal of the things that he's done to make himself uh complicit in it but he can't look at the things that they're accusing her of doing and not be thinking well i also took money yeah yeah he can't but i did it for it. the right reasons yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like he may be able to justify for himself but he's thinking like well if they ever find out the auditor is <laughs> freaking out over a quarter of a million dollars but uh Eleven million dollars. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a master manipulator for sure. But that's what really plays into Jackson's strengths as an actor. It like you like we've said already, like it kind of weaponizes those charm offensives that he usually goes on. And it's so well employed in, in this character. I also yeah. love how this entire thing with the with Rachel, the, the student reporter, is kicked off by him. Yes. It's him who yes. tells her, like, go out and make a bigger his story. Like, don't just like his own effort of trying to be inspiring to the students is what and ultimately sets yeah. the chain <laughs> of events to bring 
down his own uh, his own downfall. I find that to be so interesting as well. <laughs> and I also love in that downfall too uh, that scene that he has with uh, Chad uh, and his mother, uh, where oh, he's <laughs> describing the uh, race car analogy: accelerate, accelerate, <laughs> just like accelerate. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I also like, too, when he gets questioned about uh, his relationship with Kyle, uh, played by Raphael Casal, how defensive and fiery he gets in that scene as well. You could just see it all kind of coming undone. And that's another really, really tight rope that they walk in this movie is the depiction of his uh, homosexuality in the movie, which I know was... Not something that was extremely well publicized. I think that there was um, a deliberate attempt maybe on the marketing of this movie to try and hide that so that it was more of a reveal when you watch the movie. Yeah, well, um, there there are two moments in that story, right? There's the the moment when he meets Rafael Casal in Vegas and that (laughs) the, the, the little seduction they have there, which I remember watching it, it's going like, one, is that Rafael Casal? Or is that someone else? <laughs> and then noticing, like, are they, is he, like... Same, the, Dan, same. <laughs> the way Hugh Jackman, I fucks Rafael Casal in this movie, like, hashtag relationship goals. Like, <laughs> I, wow, wow. <laughs> And then the the other moment is when, and this is the moment that like genuinely had me worried for a character um, when Rachel, our intrepid student reporter, goes to investigate one of uh, a business that she's found that was built for something that she can't find any information on, and goes to this apartment in this very very nice apartment in New York City, Manhattan. And opens the door, and it's just just some guy that we don't know. But then when she goes back down in the elevator, who should be standing there but Hugh Jackman's Frank Tesson. And oh, shit. And you and can a really see well her, done scene. It was so well done, and you can see her put two and two together the, at the exact same time that the audience does. It, it's great. So well done. And I think I'm pretty sure in the theater when I saw that for the first time, I like gasped out loud (laughs) (laughs) because like I was not expecting that. (laughs) And it's such a great way to like flavor his character and not make it a focal point. And so many movies, it's so difficult to do and not many of them are able to pull that off. And I think the movie deserves a lot of credit for that, for making that part of the complexity of his character. I do wish, on the other hand, it had dived a little bit further into the reaction that other people would have had to that development. And I felt like that was a little bit of a missed opportunity um, in terms of the story and character towards the end of the film. It worked so much to just make him a complex character up until that point. But I do think there's another side to it that wasn't really that explored. That was kind of some missed opportunities, especially given how great the movie was um, applying some of these more complex uh, things to this character beforehand. Yeah, um, I 
after I saw it, I remember looking up like old news stories and stuff to to see how much of my memory was right about the story at the time because I I only vaguely remember it. I was it was 2002, which was my freshman year of college, and I was in Atlanta. Um, Dear God, I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, babies. Um, so, but like, but yes, yeah, so I like researched all these news stories and there was like there was a, a like big deal i think in like um new york post or the daily news or something that was like about like you know the gay superintendent from long island who embezzled money like that was it was always the gay superintendent which like i said i think that's the tight rope that the movie's walking though yeah. because i worry that if they really would have harped on that too much uh, then there would be a degree of harsher criticism thrown at the movie and vilifying uh, him uh, because he's gay, you know. And yeah. that that's something that I think that they are trying to cleverly avoid. I think they I think they do it well, even at the risk of, like you're saying, Josh, maybe a deeper exploration there. Yeah, it, it's not something that I miss in the movie, but I agree with Josh that, like, they could have done that, and I think the movie is smart enough or it proves it's smart enough where that they could have made something out of it. Fair enough. Exactly. Like it's not that it ruins the movie completely, but it's a missed opportunity that I wish it had been kind of brave enough to take, especially considering up until that point, it had been so smart at deploying this element to his character, but not making it so defining of his character. And I thought that there was more road to go down that the movie just kind of bypassed. And that was just a little disappointing. You know, and one other thing, too, I also find uh, interesting is that Frank is at the top of all of this, right? Pam is the one who really, really, really stole the majority of the money. But she only gets, spoiler alert, uh, three to nine years for testifying against Frank, where Frank gets four to 12 years uh, for this. And I think it's because they are trying to make an example out of him. And once again, I think that by avoiding um, this vilification of him, which I'm sure early 2000s, you know, homophobia definitely more raging uh, during that time period, um, I think would be very very easy to do um it is something that once again I'm, I'm i'm glad that the movie doesn't harp on that uh so much you know it's definitely an essential part to his character but i don't think it's an essential part of the grander story that they're trying to tell if that makes sense no not central yeah. but it is something that i think would affect the perception of who that character is and how people perceived his actions going forward once especially the scandal broke and i yeah. think that to not dive that much into it i think is to pretend almost like it wasn't that um wasn't that important of an influence where i would disagree i really really do love though that ending montage scene uh where he's dancing with uh rafael casals uh, oh. character kyle at the club oh my god um on the night that everyone gets arrested including himself and it's just like that you know we've seen this before that one last good night before everyone's lives fundamentally change forever and he knows it too he's going out of his way to have that special evening with him and it's very emotionally charged there's a great needle drop uh, the, the movie's actually filled with fantastic needle drops throughout the music in general be it the needle drops or the original score by michael abels like it's really good <laughs> i agree completely the ending credit song white flag uh, by ditto perfect is 
excellent. Perfect. Very, very well done uh, in fitting with the themes of the film. And it is also something that I thought Corey Finley really excelled at in Thoroughbred. So I'm really, really glad to see that uh, continue to come out once again. Um, yeah, this is definitely a movie that surprised me. Uh, I was very, very surprised, once again, like I said, by the layers of it overall. And I thought the performances were pretty pitch perfect. thought the tone was pretty pitch perfect. A couple of tiny little flaws here and there, but nothing to deter my overall experience with this movie um in terms of final thoughts um i will say that i really <laughs> i really really badly want to rewatch this movie and take a shot every time somebody says skywalk oh god <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i will not make it through the movie even though it's merciful mercifully less than two hours long um i i think it would be entertaining i want to rewatch every time skywalk gets said just take a shot of uh, whiskey or something it would be it would be a lot of fun <laughs> especially during this quarantine period <laughs> uh, but other than that yeah i'm giving this a uh, very very extremely solid seven out of ten uh dan what about you um, I am a, a very solid 8 out of 10. Um, it was definitely one of my favorite movies that I saw last year. Nice. Josh? Uh, I'm with Dan. I'm also at an 8 out of 10. I thought that this was a nice surprise. I didn't really expect to like it as much as I did. Um, and I think that it proves that not only uh, that Hugh Jackman is a really interesting performer, given the right role, but I think this definitely makes a statement that Corey Finley is, like, that's the talent to watch. I, I think that he is now just showing he can be on the trajectory of just making one great film after another. I agree. Yeah. I think that we're going to see big things from him over the next decade, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of big things, uh, this movie is an Emmy contender, not an Oscar contender, uh, based on uh, rules and eligibility, because um, this movie did not have intention from HBO to ever get a theatrical release. So it would not be in contention for the Oscars, but it will be in contention for the Emmys in the television movie category. So uh, where do we think that this film's uh, chances for the best amount of success live this year in the Primetime Emmy Awards? I mean, duh, Allison Janney. Yeah. (laughs) She gets Emmy nominations as as often as any of us, you know, breathe. So her definitely. I think Hugh Jackman also stands a great chance to – he'll certainly be nominated, and I think stands a really good chance to win as well. Um, I hope the screenplay – I really do – uh, Mike Mikowski, who wrote it and grew up in Roslyn, and this is a really personal project for him. And I, it's fantastic, fantastic screenplay. Um, yeah, I know that TV movies tend to struggle at the Emmys sometimes because they have to compete with limited series, and you know it, it's so hard to compare a two-hour movie to like an eight-hour episode arc that a miniseries has for for most of that but i really think that maybe this is like the most high profile tv movie we've had in a while and you know fingers crossed that that does do uh it some advantages in these categories Mm. my thing with this is i do believe they made the right call in hbo purchasing this because i don't believe that if this received the uh oscar qualifying run and got a theatrical release i don't think we would be talking about it the way that we're talking about it now at all no it would be we'd be talking about hugh jackman and allison janney pretty much at the spirit <laughs> right yeah. yeah um i think it would have just slid under the radar completely it would have been a small indie release that would have gotten lost in the shuffle along with everything else that was out there and 
you know, at least here, they stand a greater uh, chance of success uh, by getting some high-profile Emmy uh, nominations. Definitely, I think it's going to get across the board. I think it's going to get in for picture, director, um, a picture, <laughs> television movie, <laughs> director, writing, uh, lead for Hugh, supporting for Allison. And then the question is, what can it win from there? And I would say right now, uh, definitely place some bets on Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney um, and maybe the writing. I, you know, would be really cool too, is if it got a cinematography nomination. Oh, that'd be really great. Yeah, cool. that'd be nice. I love the Dark Shadow cinematography in this. It's so good. It's so good. It's not what you would expect for a story like this. No, no. And there are lots of great moments that where it uses color very smartly. Um, yeah, it's it's really good work. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'll be very, very curious to see. I think it's definitely in the hunt for a lot of those uh, top tier uh, categories, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Hugh Jackman, though, um, he's not won an Emmy, correct? No, he I don't think it? he's. I don't think I so. He did win an Emmy? Did he? For what? I thought it was like, um, like uh, one of those live specials or something like that. I don't think so. Mm, the answer is. Ah, yes. Outstanding performance in a variety program, 2005, the 58th Tony Awards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there it is. Huh. Uh, he was nominated for his Academy Awards uh, in, for the 81st uh, ceremony. Okay, okay. All right. Well, hey, at least he'll, uh, you know, um, maybe possibly win for uh, acting. And uh, who knows? Maybe Golden Globes? You guys think he could show up there? Golden Globes are weird with tv movie winners sometimes but you don't think they would want hugh jackman to come to their uh ceremony oh, no, like nomination absolutely but sometimes they get weird with like wanting to go with the hot young thing or instead of the old legend like they're very weird with how they do that sometimes how dare you call hugh jackman old <laughs> <laughs> man is 51 and he looks like he's 21 still <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. That makeup he's applying in prison is working perfectly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, that scene. Oh, my God. So good. Uh, fantastic. All right. Well, that'll do it here for our review of Bad Education here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Uh, Dan Bear, where can I find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Josh Parham? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Bad Education here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.